to build, what to build. Oh, come on, Lucy. Wow, you're a builder. You're a maker. You're a... <gasps> I got it! Tool call. Hammer. Hammer. Wrench. Wrench. Drill. Drill. Great job, Kapow. Great job, Kapow. Oh, no, wait, that's me. Great job, Lucy Wow. Oh, brother. Now all we have to do is turn this thing on. Let the show begin. Oh, hi there. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Pflugerville. You might know me as Lucy Wow's sidekick, or you might know me as Pflugerville's number one builder of pretzel pillows. My pretzel pillows are so soft, you're guaranteed to have the best night's sleep of your life on them. And then when you wake up, you can eat them for breakfast. But did you know, I'm not just an expert on snacks you can sleep on. I'm also an expert on the subject of invention. In fact, I don't just know about inventions, I was invented. That's right, Lucy Wow invented me, I invented pretzel pillows, and Pretzel Pillows invented the new hairstyle that's sweeping the nation, Pretzel Head. Now, none of those inventions ever could have come to be without trying things out. In the invention business, we call trying things out experimenting. Every invention starts with a curious person experimenting with a new idea to see what happens. So all inventors are experimenters, but no inventor liked to experiment more than today's inventor, Thomas Edison. Thomas Alva Edison was born February 11th, 1847 in Ohio. Now, even though Thomas would grow up to be a brilliant inventor, he didn't start off at the head of the class. In fact, he didn't say his first word until he was four. He did so poorly in school that his mother, a former teacher, pulled him out and started teaching him at home. But while Thomas wasn't born a scholar, he was born an experimenter. One of his first experiments was with eggs. He watched his family chickens and noticed that the mother hen would sit on her eggs to hatch them. So one day, he put several eggs in an empty nest and sat on them. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. No chickens were hatched that day. At 15, Thomas was done sitting on eggs and left his family to start working. He roamed the country working as a telegraph operator. Now, a telegraph is a machine that uses an alphabet of clicks or beeps called Morse code to send messages over long distances. There were no phones back then, so the telegraph was the only way to communicate faster than mail. Ironically, it was around this time that Thomas started losing his hearing. He could still hear clicks of the telegraph in order to work, but it got harder every day. Thomas spent seven years taking and sending messages for people, even for the Union Army during the Civil War. But Thomas was an experimenter at his core, so in his spare time, he took things apart to see how they worked, including the telegraph. It was while taking apart his telegraph that he realized that with a few changes, he could make it send up to four messages at once. This was a big break for the world of communication and an even bigger break for Thomas. With the money he made from this new technique, he moved to New Jersey and built a laboratory where he could experiment all the time. Thomas didn't want to work alone though, so he hired fellow inventors that he called muckers to help him out. He called them muckers because he paid them to muck about and experiment. These muckers came from all over the world and would stay up all night working with the chief mucker, Edison himself. 
The phonograph was the first machine the muckers invented that really made an impact on the world. The phonograph was a machine that could record the sound of someone's voice and play it back. In 1877, Edison made the first ever recording machine. He recited the nursery rhyme, Mary had a little lamb. Here was a man whose hearing was so poor, he thought of himself as deaf, and he had invented a way to make words be heard forever. Edison and the Muckers' greatest achievement, though, wasn't something you heard, but instead, something you'd see. Light! Or to be more specific, they invented the light bulb. The light bulb didn't come easy. Thomas and the Muckers conducted thousands of experiments to develop it. But after over 6,000 failures, Thomas was able to produce over 13 continuous hours of light in his laboratory. The first large-scale test of Thomas's light occurred on September 4, 1882, when 25 buildings in New York City's financial district were illuminated. For the first time in history, someone flipped a switch and turned on the lights. I hope someone remembered to turn them off when they left. With the light bulb, Thomas had gotten big, too big in fact, for his lab so he built a new one that was 10 times larger than the previous one. It was one of the largest laboratories in the world. They were both famous now, the world's biggest inventor and the world's biggest lab. Thomas's last great invention was the motion picture, or as we know it, movies. That's right, the boy who didn't speak till he was four and tried to hatch an egg with his butt brought us voice recordings, light bulbs, and movies. How'd he do it? Experimenting and hard work? Thomas liked to say, Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and start experimenting. Hello, one and all, it's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, coming to you live from Lucy Wow's barn in Pflugerville. Now, you may know me best as Lucy's sidekick, or perhaps you know me as the official spokes goat for Kapow's Goat Cologne. <laughs> do you wish you smelled more like pygmy goat? Of course you do! With Kapow's Goat Cologne, you will smell goat-erific! But today I won't be perfuming. I'll be hosting as we discuss my favorite subject, invention. Now, you may be thinking, why does Kapow love invention so much? Well, my friends, I'll tell you why. I love invention because I was invented. That's right. Every inch of me, from my body made of tools to my butt that plays music like a boombox, was invented by Lucy Wow. How could I not love inventions when I am one? Inventions are everywhere, and so are inventors. In fact, you might be an inventor yourself and not even know it. Anyone from anywhere can be an inventor. You can start inventing with nothing more than an interest in how the world works and a willingness to try things out. Which brings us to today's inventor, Leonardo da Vinci. Now, when you hear the name Leonardo, you might picture a turtle eating pizza. And that is a delicious picture. Mm. But that turtle is actually named after an Italian man from long ago. Leonardo da Vinci was an artist, scientist, and inventor during the Italian Renaissance, which is a name for an era in Italy that lasted from the 14th to the 17th century. He is considered by many to be one of the most talented and intelligent people of all time. In fact, the term Renaissance man, which means someone who does many things very well, was coined from Leonardo's many talents. I'm what's known as a Renaissance goat. Bah, because I eat all sorts of things. 
But back to Leonardo. Leonardo was born in the town of Vinci in 1452. That's right! Leonardo da Vinci means Leonardo from the town of Vinci. Not much is known about his early childhood, but it is believed he never went to school. At the age of 14, he became an apprentice to a famous artist named Verrocchio. This is where he learned about art, drawing, painting, and more. And from that point on, he started doing big things. How do we know? Well, one reason is because Leonardo kept a journal. He spent hours every day writing his thoughts, ideas, and recording his experiments in his journals. A lot of great inventors do the same thing because writing stuff down can help you figure things out. Plus, it helps you remember to order pizza. <laughs> oh, I'm still hungry. But Leonardo wasn't just interested in pizza. Leonardo was more interested in everything he saw. Leonardo's journals are full of drawings and sketches of animals, people, plants, machines. Oh, these journals are so amazing that Bill Gates, the man behind Microsoft computers, paid around $30 million for one of them. One famous drawing in his journals is the Vitruvian Man. This picture is considered to be one of the most perfect hand drawings of the human body ever done. He often would turn his sketches into oil paintings. And although we don't have a lot of paintings today, the few works that are still around are super famous. Two of his most famous paintings, and perhaps two of the most famous in the world, are the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. An interesting fact about his journals are, they're kinda hard to read. You see, Leonardo didn't write from page one to page 100 or left to right. He wrote from the back of the journal to the front of the journal and from right to left across the page. Because of this, for many years, people were unable to understand his notes. The kind of mirror writing has led people to believe that da Vinci wanted to keep his ideas secret. But secrets out! And goat were his ideas good! In fact, although Leonardo was famous as an artist, as an inventor, he may have been even more important. Leonardo conceived ideas that were way ahead of his own time. Because of this, most were never even made during his life, but they changed our world. He came up with the idea for the parachute, the helicopter, an armored fighting vehicle, the use of solar power, and the calculator. The guy didn't even have an iPhone, and he invented a helicopter! How crazy is that? Some people even claim Leonardo invented the bicycle, but I know for a fact that he didn't create the bicycle sandwich. That was me. Speaking of eating, Leonardo was a huge animal lover and chose to be vegetarian, something that was very unusual in those days. He was said to buy animals from the market just so he could set them free from their cages. So how did a guy who never went to school create some of the world's most famous works of art and science? Two things. One, he was interested. He went out into the world and tried to figure out how things worked, why they worked, and if they could work better. Second, he tried things. Did he fail? Of course! Were all of his ideas great or pictures perfect? Of course not. But success isn't what's important for an inventor. The important part is to stay interested and to keep trying things. If you do those two things, who knows? Maybe one day there will be a Ninja Turtle named after you. Oh, hi there. Welcome back to Pflugerville. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy's barn. You know, you know, 
Being Lucy Wow's sidekick is a lot of fun, but also a lot of work. Every day is a new adventure in building and invention. But luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have time for projects of my own, like inventing foods, such as the screwdriver salad. The only lunch that can tighten your table or hosting this podcast dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Well, because I am an invention. That's right. Lucy Wow invented me, and I invented screwdriver salad. Now, today's inventor. No, oh, sorry, power nap. Where was I? Oh, right. Today's inventor is John Harvey Kellogg, the man who invented breakfast cereal. John and his brother Will were born in Michigan in the 1800s. Now, John and Will had a strange childhood. They didn't even get to go to school because their parents believed the world was going to end before they were old enough to read. Fortunately for us, John's parents were wrong and the world didn't end. And fortunately for John, he was so smart that he was able to teach himself to read and get into medical school without a day of grade school. Now, in America today, eating healthy is a big deal. People are always trying to find the healthiest foods and recipes. But back in John's day, most people didn't know there was such a thing as unhealthy food. Can you believe that? People just ate whatever they wanted. In fact, among the wealthy, steak and pie was a common breakfast. You know, that actually sounds pretty tasty. Almost as tasty as tin can waffles. Anyway, because of poor eating habits, Americans were sicker than ever. It was while he was in medical school that John started to make the connection between food and health. He became a strong believer that what you ate was important. And not just for your body, but for your behavior as well. He thought a good meal would cause good behavior, while a bad meal would cause bad behavior. He called his belief biologic living. It called for more exercise, more bathing, and more eating whole grains, veggies, and fruit instead of meat, sugar, and processed foods. Because he was such a health nut, John was hired to be the president of the sanitarium at Battle Creek. Sanitariums were health resorts where people went to have their illness treated. They were part fancy hotel, part doctor's office. John put all of the sanitarium guests on his special diet, and sure enough, it worked. Cutting out the breakfast barbecue had people feeling better. But there was a problem. While John's diet may have been healthy, his patients found it boring. These people were used to cherry pie for breakfast. They weren't ready to eat dry oats like a horse or a goat. <laughs> John, his wife Ella, and his brother started experimenting with foods, trying to create something new and exciting that fit his diet. They found their answer in grass, a special grass you could eat, known as cereal. They took this grass and made it into wheat flakes and corn flakes. This was a totally new idea. No one had ever seen a flake of grain before, much less a bowl of them. By 1902, Kellogg's flakes were out in the world under the name of breakfast cereal. Now, a quick word on this. You and I wouldn't want to eat Kellogg's original cornflakes. They had no sugar or added flavors, and they were so tough that they often cracked people's teeth. 
But back then, people thought it was an exciting food. I wonder what we eat today that the future will think is weird. Pop rocks? Oysters? Tin cans? But when Kellogg saw how popular it was, they began advertising in newspapers and on billboards. While these ads got them more customers, it also got the attention of other food companies who soon copied Kellogg with their own cereals. All of a sudden, there were more than 40 cereal companies in the United States, all of which were selling more bowls than Kellogg. This was because John wasn't interested in money. His goal was to make Americans eat better. His brother Will, on the other hand, was a born businessman and wanted to get rich. So, he bought the rights to cornflakes from John and took over the Kellogg company. Now, while John hadn't been upset when people started copying his cereal, he was upset when all of the cereal companies, including his brothers, started adding sugar. The whole point of John's invention was to make people healthier. And now, it was being filled with marshmallows and chocolate. It looked like John's experiment with eating healthy had failed. Here's the thing about good ideas. They might disappear or get lost in a cloud of cookies, but they always find their way back. And sure enough, eating healthy has come back bigger than ever. Kellogg's principles of healthy lifestyle can be found in vegetarian, vegan, and whole food diets. And while Kellogg's name may be on unhealthy boxes of Keebler cookies and Pop-Tarts, his healthy ideas live on in every veggie bowl or summer salad that gets served around the globe, even in a sugar-free serving of screwdriver salad. Well, folks, we've come to the end of another Kapow's Power of Invention podcast. Come back tomorrow when I'll be covering more inventors and inventions. And while you're waiting, you do realize there are just a slew of shows that take place in Pflugerville, right? It's true! There's Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn, inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat Kapow! Hey, that's me! Lucy goes big, and then she goes bigger! Oh, and if you like strange and spooky stories, you should check out R.L. Stein's Story Club! That's a real winner! I'm in the club, so I get to hear all the stories! And you can too! Keep on the lights, folks! Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein Story Club, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find your way. I get a lot of excitement as Lucy Wow's sidekick. Sometimes it overwhelms me and I just, well, you know, faint. Well, today I got the most exciting news, and I, and I, oh, easy kapow, deep breaths, <laughs> don't faint. I'm on a t-shirt and a hoodie and a sticker and I'm, I'm famous the most famous mechanical pygmy goat to ever live. Go to gokidgo.com and check me out. Lucy Wow merchandise is now available, and you know you need more kapow in your life. Go Kid Go.